The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. Professor Susan Harris-Rimmer is on the line now. Professor, thanks for being on the program. Oh, you're very welcome. This is really interesting when it comes to human rights and major sporting events because I know each time a, uh, a destination is named for a major sporting event, questions come up about what sorts of countries should be allowed to hold these major events. So what are the most common human rights violations that occur when we have major sporting events? Sure. Uh, I mean, it's increasingly a focus. So a, a big a big issue that occurs is forced displacement of people to make way for new infrastructure. So we saw that in Rio and in China. Um, and um, then there's a lot of issues around supply chain. So there's an enormous amount of um, supply and procurement that goes on for, a, for an Olympic event or for a Commonwealth Games. Um, everything from the medals to... Uh, all the uniforms, all the everything to do with those events are at an enormous scale and they all have to be procured somewhere. So a lot of the focus has been around making sure there's no modern slavery or environmental damage uh, through the procurement process. And then there's a whole range of other issues around athletes' rights um, and kind of freedom of speech issues that you can see playing out in Tokyo and have played out in previous years. Can athletes take the knee... Or can they protest against so use use a sporting event to make a protest? Can they claim asylum? Australia had significant amount of athletes claim asylum after the Olympics, Sydney Olympics, and the Commonwealth Games. So there's, there's a lot of human rights issues that arise just because of the scale of the events and the nature of the events. They're kind of phoenix operations. They're going to pop up and then they're gone again. That creates a lot of issues. And what have been the biggest, you mentioned uh, perhaps some concerns in Tokyo about freedom of speech, but what have been the biggest concerns, if any, about these Tokyo games? Oh, definitely the right to health. You know, so does any sporting event warrant putting people's health at risk? Um, that's been the major debate about whether the game should have been cancelled completely because of the risk to health. Um, but also, I think all, always with Olympic Games, there's threats of terrorism, and there have been terrorist threats in the past to games and, and some really terrible incidences. So there's always this idea of proportionality between the type of security you should have at a sporting event and kind of, uh, you know, whether it's a disproportionate response that overshadows the actual uh, enjoyment of the event. Um, so that's those are big issues for Tokyo. And, and I guess... Uh, we're, we're learning still about the way to merge the the um, the way para athletes are treated. Uh, you know the way that um, they're portrayed, discussed, the sports are commentated on. That's getting better and better. The idea that para athletes, you know, should be treated in the same way as the elite athletes they are. So there's a lot of disability rights thinking going on now with Olympic Games, and you can see that happening in Tokyo. You know, it's just it's, just, it's a nuance on where it was at London um, to now. It's getting better. You know, the kind of the way people with disabilities are portrayed in, in as athletes is, is improving. From what you can see, what is the selection process like with the IAC when they're going through that process of the bids and working out um, who is actually going to win the Olympic Games for a particular year? How much consideration is given to a country's human rights record? Well, it's part of the bid process now, um, but as far as I know, uh, it's so opaque, this new 
method of choosing a country. In some ways, it's um, probably lessened corruption or the ability for corruption, but in other ways, it's really not clear what kinds of arguments we made. But I'd, I'd imagine that um, political stability um, and, you know, functional state institutions, uh, the ability to, you know, manage scale, um, that's really that's really important, you know, critical infrastructure for these events is really important, airports that work and public transport that works and all those sorts of issues. So I, I think it should be a very large part of um, how a country gets a Games because it's going to be a large part of the perceived benefit of the Games, this kind of branding of Brisbane as a world city. This is going to be a really key part of why you would host an Olympics because you're trying to improve the standing of, of the city and the country on a global scale. So in that case, it means your human rights record will also be on display for everyone to see, receiving much more scrutiny. We saw that in Sydney. You saw people around the world really focusing on issues facing First Nations Australians, much more focused than it normally receives from an international audience. And, uh, and we'll see all of that. We will see people care about the Great Barrier Reef and they'll care about... First Nations justice, then they will care about the way we treat refugees and asylum seekers, and that will be frontline issues for the next eleven years. And I'm I'm here for it. Mm. Well, that's, <laughs> that's your good. that's yeah, that's your industry, isn't it? But in just in yeah. terms of that two thousand games, that was actually my next question. Um, how does that stand compared to other games in terms of its human rights record? The last games that we had here in Australia. Well, there was displacement. You know, we sort of rounded up all the homeless people and sent them off to northern New South Wales. I don't know if you remember that. We introduced all this hostile design to the Sydney CBD, you know, all those terrible benches that had sort of spikes in the middle so homeless people couldn't sit, sleep on them. Um, you know, all of that was done during the Sydney Olympics. There was, um, I think, some, you know, there was, there was tension around the First Nations issues and there was there was some protests and pretty serious protests. Generally speaking, it was interesting. Every I was there for the Sydney Olympics um, and um, people just left. <laughs> most, of, most of actual Sydney fighters just fled. <laughs> yeah, I heard that, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I guess there was a lot of issues around, you know, whether the Homebush Stadium would be, you know, a sustainable piece of infrastructure and not a white elephant. Um, standing at stripes at the moment as a vaccination centre, so you never know hey, um, how things are going to go. Uh, but, you know, Australia has a big advantage to most other countries. We have so much sporting infrastructure, so there's already... So what we do is modify our existing sporting infrastructure, so there's a lot less chance of corruption or displacement or issues that arise um, that commonly around that massive infrastructure. So if we don't have that, we already get a, a rid of a whole lot of human rights problems. And, um, it, and, and as I said, we have very hostile asylum policies, so there was issues after the game. I was just going to ask, what do you think are the biggest issues we'd have to tackle by 2032 in your eyes, and is that the biggest issue that you would like to see resolved? Well, it's so many. I mean, I think it could be the first demonstrably human rights compliant Olympic Games that have ever been held. So there's been a lot of rhetoric about previous games and London was close-ish and at least they had a human rights policy but there's never been a human rights compliant Olympic event ever. Mm. So um, now we have equal numbers of men and women athletes, we have equal numbers of medals for men and women, we have the inclusion of uh, para-athletes 
it's getting better all the time, but this could be the first really fully human rights compliant game on every level. And I would like it to be also um, climate neutral, carbon neutral, uh, and that's going to be a big challenge um, for us. So, yeah, I think um, it, it's, a, it's an exciting opportunity, partly because of that international scrutiny, but also because it forces governments into longer-term planning horizons. So um, I think that the way modern games are staged is, a, is, a, is really about this kind of thinking about what kind of social rejuvenation you want to achieve and mm. how you're going to do that. Well, thanks so much for being on the program. Uh, as you've sort of said, you've got your work cut out for you over the next 11 years to advocate for all of those things. So good luck. Before then, before then, we've got the FIFA Women's World Cup. Yes. Yep. So good. <laughs> Thank you very I'm much. I'm also a sports tragic, so it's all good for me. <laughs> we'll have you on the program maybe uh, and get a bit of a progress report on how things are going again. So thank you very much. Okay, no worries. Professor Bye. Susan Harris-Rimmer with us there, who is a human rights lawyer. The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's Front Page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you get your podcasts.